Rebecca. And I'm JB. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake off. And today we are going to be discussing the 12th episode of season 5 of Supernatural titled Swap Meet. Jamie, what did you think? <laughs> okay, so I think we need to start this episode just with a general big yikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big yikes. There are so many things about this episode that are quite good, actually. Mm-hmm. And then there are just a whole bunch of implications that are just big yikes. This is a classic supernatural metronome situation. Yeah. You know? It's- who who was the writer on this one? I feel like it's notable. Oh, it yes, it is because I want to say it's Julie Siege. Yeah, same person as um like Monster at the end of the book. Yeah, because we were talking with August about yeah. that's why this how, name's like, not familiar. Yeah, we were talking about how they have like an inc- crazy run of episodes where it's like insanely good, fucking weird, insanely good, fucking, fucking weird. weird. But then this one, we were like, oh, that's two fucking weirds in a row. <laughs> like <laughs> like this is breaking from pattern. pattern. What I do want to mention here is it's one of those ones where it's like some things about this episode are actually really, really good. Some things about this episode are really, really uncomfy. Just the variety here is truly astounding. They really did it all. Objectively, it was too much, but they really did it all, didn't they? It's like that meme where it's like, get you a show that can do both, except in this instance, we really didn't want that, actually. <laughs> like, like I was fine before I saw this episode. <laughs> this episode was so not necessary. And yet, here we are. Here we are. Okay. Do we want to start, then, with the things that were actually really good, or the things that were actually really not good? Let's start with the stuff that really wasn't good, but while we've got like some yeah, happy energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. you know? So, I think first up, we have to just give props to Jared Padalecki. His acting here was absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he makes some questionable acting decisions. This episode was not it. Whatever was in the water that day, like, I really believe this eight foot tall man <laughs> was a 16 year old. Yeah. It's really very fun. I think there's one line in particular that he delivers, and it's just a plus. When the mum calls up, like, for breakfast or whatever, and he's like, all right, I'm coming. Like, that particular delivery is just so funny. Like, it's that exact tone. It's perfect. It's beautiful. Flawless. He really felt like a teenager mm-hmm. in all of the ways that mattered this episode, which is astounding considering he is a fully grown man who is fucking tall as hell and just for a little bit of like pulling back the podcast cut and we just recorded with queering things uh and changing literally channels. everyone else and literally everyone else in the pod squad and there is a shot of jared padalecki on the little fucking scooter in the fake like mock opening thing yeah. and he is like folded in thirds to try yeah. and fit on that fucking thing <laughs> So it is remarkable that he manages to look like, not even four episodes later, Mm -hmm. manages to look like a child. A child. Yes. And like the scene where he's trying to like get out of the bonds and he's like, (gasps) and it's like, it's just not working for him. It's fantastic. And actually, I want to do a a massive shout out to the costuming department for this episode and also whoever was in charge of the fucking mirrors in this episode. Because the ways in which we get to see Sam playing Gary and the actor who plays Gary playing Sam, like the way they swap between which actor is portraying each character in every scene. It's 
phenomenal because they can swap in one scene. They can have both Jared Padalecki and this other Mm. actor playing Sam. And it is so clear at every stage who is who, Mm -hmm. even though it has the possibility to be so confusing. And the techniques that they use when they're swapping between and the effectiveness of the use of costuming, it's sublime. This ep- It's so good. It's flawless. And that was all I liked. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I also just think the concept of this episode is really fun and it's actually quite interesting. We will get to the parts of it I didn't really like, but like I think the fact that it is specifically Sam who is forced to body swap with a 16-year-old with no idea about what's happening, Yeah, is really interested when you consider Sam lack of bodily autonomy, Winchester, Winchester, and how that factors into the fact that he is, yeah, like he is just fully supplanted into this other body. Yeah, exactly. And we have talked ad nauseum at this point about how Sam and his lack of autonomy and the way that his entire character basically exists as a plot device and he just gets seemingly no choice in anything ever. <laughs> and when he does get the opportunity to make a choice, it is usually under the context of being heavily manipulated, a la the entirety of season four. So it is really, really, really fascinating to see this episode through that lens. And like, this is like a Sam episode. Like, I think that's but probably an important clarification to make is this is 100%. It's not surprising when you look at the concept that it's a Sam episode. No, no, not at all. Dean's just out here chilling, doing his own thing, which we will get to later because some of the decisions regarding Dean I think are quite out of character in this episode Mm -hmm. and I feel like we will discuss... We'll get that in the back half. We'll get that in the back half just because I want to first up just reflect on the episode as a whole and I think by and large it actually is fascinating and I think it's a not necessarily a good episode of television but an interesting episode of television when you think about the implications Implications. yeah and I think one of those implications that's really fascinating is Dean is on hell's most wanted list yes remember that email blast we talked about (laughs) yeah Dean has made the email blast and, and I love that for him. I feel like we talked about like a while ago how confusing it was that demons don't just know who the Winchesters are. Mm-hmm. Like considering everything, yeah, we were like, it doesn't make any sense for the Winchesters to not be like a local celebrity. Literally, like demons love to gossip. Demons love to gossip. Like it makes sense that they're like, no, now they're just sending everyone they possibly can after Dean because mm-hmm. if Dean is dead, they have control of. The meat suit, which we're going to get back yep, to. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> if they have control of Dean's meat suit, then they can pretty effectively stop Michael from being able to get his true vessel. Exactly. And I also want to take a quick moment to appreciate the fact that this is a tactic that the angels have been employing as well. Because when Zachariah finds Dean for like the end, it's via... Mm-hmm. That guy who's doing the whole, like, have you considered God's plan for you? Like, yeah. So they're actually employing the exact same tactics on opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm. Absolutely fascinating that they were like, the equivalents are like, of course, demons going to use witches and Satanists and that sort of stuff. And then obviously angels are taking advantage of Christians and evangelicals and yeah. people who have heightened faith to believe that the angels have their best interests at heart. Which is very decidedly Incorrect. not true. Yeah. And also the fact that 
you know, the angels are using sort of religious people and their belief that the angels' intentions must be good because they're angels. Meanwhile, the demons are playing more of a like, oh, well, like there's a reward if you succeed sort of model. They're preying on different things. One's the innate desire to do good work based on what you believe, and the other's, oh, I want money and power. What is interesting, though, is like, it doesn't really matter ultimately how they get you because you're not going to get what you want out of it. No. Because they're using you. Both teams are using people. Yeah. Because, and I think this is the other thing, both teams have a relatively high disregard for human beings as a whole, so they don't really give a shit who ends up as collateral damage. It doesn't matter what team you're playing for. They don't care. Yeah, exactly. They just want to win. That's what matters. Not what damage is done to Earth or humanity in the process. What matters is them getting their way and not yeah, losing exactly. to the other side. Exactly. Insert Lord Farquaad pointing gif here. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> some of you may die, but it's a price that I am willing to pay. Oh, one of the things that I did want to point out is that in a recent episode in, I believe, The Children of the Future. Yeah. Dean is talking about his quote-unquote babysitter, Miss Chauncey, and we were like, bullshit, absolutely no way. Then in this episode, we do find out that they had a babysitter. And full disclosure, I did forget about this once-off woman who babysat them at a motel once. I would also argue that she's not a babysitter. No, she's not. She was like a hotel She's a maid. Yeah. Yeah, she was a maid at the hotel. So I just want to clarify, potentially Miss Chauncey did in fact exist. Here's the thing, even if Miss Chancy did exist, I would not classify her as a babysitter. Yeah. So a babysitter is somebody employed for the subtle purpose of a looking after the children. It's likely that Miss Chancy was just someone who happened to be there that John was like, hey, do you mind while I abandon my children real quick? But also, the chances are, based on this episode, I get the feeling that John did not ask this woman to watch his children. I don't think that was a conversation that John had with this random woman. I don't think he said, I'm going away for business. Please babysit my children for the next two weeks, but it might be longer. To be fair, I get the vibe that she was in on, like, obviously she knew to call Sam and Dean. So I'm assuming maybe she was like a victim or a victim adjacent. But I got the sense that that wasn't until later. Mm. That like she'd been quote unquote babysitting them. For a while, and then she found out about the supernatural. Oh, do we think it's another something wicked put my children in the hunting grounds of a child hunting monster situation? I mean, and at a civilian, because I'm, why not? I'm not gonna say yes because <laughs> I don't have the supporting evidence. We for are that. speculating, but we also don't have any contradictory evidence. <laughs> Basically, we can say what the fuck we want. <laughs> the author is dead. While we are. Sitting around that scene, though, I do want to make a very quick point. I know you mentioned that you want to talk about some of Dean's characterization later, but I really liked that as soon as we're talking about Katie and her experience, Mm -hmm. Dean is 100% focused on Katie, Mm -hmm. and she is the thing that he is like, we're going to fix this for you. Don't worry. We're going to take care of you. We're going to make sure this never happens again. Mm -hmm. Like His focus shifts entirely from everyone else in the room to be solely on her and reassuring her and making sure that she trusts that she will be safe yeah and i did like that i think that it sparks the conversation that happens a little later where dean like makes a note to sam like oh like you know she's doing pretty well do you ever think you could want something like that like wife rugrats the whole nine and sam is pretty immediately like no 
Which, are you sure, Sam? I mean, you ran pretty far away to Stanford to try and have exactly that. Well, here is the thing. I agree with Sam. I think he is telling the truth in that moment. Like, he says, no, that's, you know, not my life anymore, right? And I fully agree with Sam. What I think is really interesting is, like, Dean's not asking... Like, he's asking out of interest of Sam's answer, but it's also a way of him to be able to verbalise that he might like the white picket fence you know, partner and kids. five children, yeah. Yeah, lifestyle. Like, that might be something that maybe he is interested in. And it's fascinating because, like, this episode we get to see Sam thrown into this life that ultimately, like, he hates. And we we know that he hates because it's incredibly obvious throughout the course of the episode, but also at the very end, he says to Dean, like, nah, like, kids' life sucked ass, you know? But I would argue that it's pretty on par with like Dean's dream scenario. If you consider what is and what could never be in this context, like he has a supportive family who like believe in him. He's got the support system and a network and friends. And, you know, I just think that situation reversed. It's what Sam thought he wanted, but it's like what Dean actually wants. Even to the point where, like, when Sam finds the pawn, and, like, yes, obviously big yikes, again, for the busty Asian beauties reference, but he finds that, and it's like, well, that's the joke that always accompanies Dean. Yeah. That's not a thing that goes with Sam. That's always a thing that's tied to Dean. And Mm -hmm. so I do think it's interesting, like, Sam hates this life. Yeah. But Dean would fit. Like, Mm -hmm. he would thrive in these conditions. And I just think it's really interesting that we also get Dean, like, verbalizing, like, do you think this is something you could want? And Sam's like, vehemently no. But he doesn't actually ask Dean back. No. Classic younger sibling (laughs) behaviour. Let's face it. It doesn't matter unless it's about you as younger sibling behaviour. You say as a younger sibling? Yeah. Obviously. There is a certain level of manipulating your older sibling that just comes with the territory of being a younger sibling. But I think that was all of the things I liked about this episode. So (laughs) whenever you're ready to jump into the negativity with me. I actually had a couple other things that I really like that I might just speed run through. Mm-hmm. We mentioned before, like, Jared's acting in this episode is great, but mm-hmm. I want to just call out, like, a couple of moments that I think are particularly choice. The, like, intro scene, and we'll get into the bad bits about the intro scene, but I love the whole, like, evening barkeep, you know, a banana daiquiri, my good man, mm-hmm. and, like, I kind of like this bar, and I just ordered this daiquiri, you know, like... Also, I am an adult who is 26. Yeah, literally. Like, I love that whole energy. I love the delivery. I love the, you know, dedication to not being able to get the straws in and out of his mouth. I love that whole personification, I suppose. I also love, you know, his absolute lack of subtlety when he is sitting at the dining table having breakfast. He's like, listen, buddy, at the moment I couldn't give a rat's ass about your plan. He is just so unsubtle and I fucking love it. But we also have the actor who plays Gary. And I just want to do a kudos because he actually has Sam's mannerisms down pat. Like, there are some obvious points where Dean should have fucking known something was up. Like, when he says, Master Chief is in the house, bizarches. That should have thrown up some fucking red flags way more than it did. But I do think that in terms of the way that he gestures and articulates himself like a lot of the time obviously some of the speech patterns don't match but that's that's that's, the idea that's a point but the way that he moves i think was really well emulated oh and this might be a nice segue into the shitty shitty big yikes bits about this episode 
But we do have the continuation of Sam and Milfs, which is one of those things that just seems to be a trackable occurrence. The only thing that I will say for this episode is at least in this episode, it's not the Milf like just forcing herself on Sam, mm-hmm. which seems to be the trope previously. Yeah. I mean, it's still Big Yikes, but just in a different way. You know, some variety. Yeah. The difference here is that the Big Yikes comes from the fact that Sam isn't actually Sam. Like, otherwise, this scenario is generally just two consenting adults. Yeah. Like, there's literally nothing wrong with that scenario. The problem comes from the fact that one of those consenting adults is actually not an adult and is actually 17. And, you know, not only is that just, like, icky, but also... It means that the woman in the scenario is unaware of what she's consenting to as well. So it's like a whole issue. Like she thinks she's inviting a 26-year-old back home with her, not a 17-year-old. And that's the most... Also a 26-year-old who's clearly seen some shit. Like you don't look like Sam without having seen some shit. You know what I mean? Like... But yes, like that, like as much as I said, I really enjoy that whole like intro setup, like at the bar and it's like very fun. The swap that they do with the mirror to show Gary's face Mm. in Sam's outfit, it suddenly goes from, like, kind of silly and funny to actually horrifying. You see his little baby face, and, like, they say in the episode that he's 17. I personally don't think he looks that old. I would have pegged him at, like, 15, 16, honestly. But, yeah, like, seeing his little baby face in that scenario, it just immediately is, like, having a bucket of cold water just doused yeah. over your head you're like oh the context has shifted and actually this is uncomfortable now it's suddenly way more big yikes than just oh this is being kind of okay well i'm ready to move on to all of my other things that i actually want to properly discuss because i thought they were not great are you ready to move on with me or is that, is that your vibe right now oh look we'll bounce around we'll but bounce i'm happy around. for you to change okay. the topic Oh, I forgot one thing that I briefly mentioned that I do actually want to mention before we get into the shit that I didn't really like. I do love the usage of meat suit in this episode. I think it's very fun that they're calling it the meat suit. Yeah. And, like, you've got, like, the – and I think the actress who played Nora, who is – Impeccable. Impeccable. So good. I got so many Meg vibes from her. I was like, oh, I stand. Right? I was waiting for it to be revealed that it was actually Meg, and they'd accidentally summoned Meg. Like, I was (laughs) so ready. And then I was like, oh, it's not. Moving on. The one thing that I am mad about in this episode is the abundance of John apologism. It's fucking everywhere, and I don't like it. It it feels so wrong and so icky. And you mentioned earlier, briefly, the moment at the end of the episode where Sam's like, no, that kid's life sucked. It's like, babes, that kid's life sucked? You started the fucking apocalypse. To be fair, he did that as an adult. (laughs) Lucy's currently after your meat suit. Reevaluate your priorities. Sam, chronic understater Winchester. Like, like we've seen this. Some, he saw someone get hurt once, Jamie. <laughs> He's a little depressed, Jamie. For him to say that kid's life sucked. I'm sorry, but that kid's life didn't suck. Well, I guess this is the thing, like, for Sam. Like, and this is what I was saying before. Like, I think Sam is telling the truth for himself in this situation. Because, yeah, Sam doesn't like being told what to do. That outline of, you know, we have a plan and you're going to go to MIT or whatever. It sounds like what Sam would have wanted, right? With the whole Stanford thing. Like, it seems like that's the family dynamic and the support that Sam would have wanted from John. But it's not. Because Sam doesn't like being told what to do. If Sam is told to do one thing, he's like, nah. Uno reverse. Exactly. As much as 
it sounds on paper like the kind of thing Sam would have liked. He would have fucking hated it. And like through the whole episode, he's rebelling. And even he says at the end to Gary, he's like, if you don't like their plan for you, tell them to cram it. Rebel a little bit in a healthy, non-satanic way. Which fucking rich of Sam I to know. say that. Like, don't do drugs, kids. Fucking rich. <laughs> Baby boy, sweetie, look at yourself in the mirror. Yeah. And right? repeat after me. Ruby was just a demon. I did no questionable things while knowing her. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, what? Exactly. And so I honestly think that Sam does think this kid's life sucks because it's his worst nightmare. It's him being forced to conform to do whatever someone else wants him to do. And he hates it. He's going to rebel against it because it's exactly what John did. It's just the opposite direction. direction. But like... You you do see how yours is worse. Like, okay, this kid has his life planned out by his parents. But also, he's not fucking homeless. And also, his, his life's being planned out by his parents, but not by God. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to use that to segue into what I dislike probably most about this episode. Dean feels so out of character the entire episode. I think the moment, like, the start of the episode, fine. Mm-hmm. That's Dean, right? We can both agree that's Dean. You can yeah. look at him... That's Dean. Uh-huh. The issue is, Dean, I know that demons can possess people sometimes, doesn't even fucking question when Sam is acting all sorts of fucking crazy. Like, I'm sorry, but born under a bad time, who? Yeah. Like, we've seen this film before, babes. Come on, basic pattern recognition, click it together. Like, who is currently campaigning to possess your brother? Babes, be a bit more suspicious. Sam never asked to drive. Well, this is the thing where I agree. The whole episode I'm watching and I'm like, Dean should fucking know something is up. It's just, it's bizarre that it takes him so long to question. And like, I understand we as the audience, one, know exactly what has happened because we've already been shown. And two, are looking at Gary and not Sam. Like, you have to remember that Dean is looking at what looks like Sam. But then you hear... The words coming out of his fucking mouth or like the fact that he just let the maid in and to see the guns or like, you know, all of these things. He put the Impala in reverse and just fucking back straight into the dumpster. Number one thing, Gary throws out the phones, right? We see this. And first of all, that actually has so many ongoing implications and ramifications. How many people have those numbers? How many of those phones are not actually the boys, but John's? We have seen them answering quote unquote dad's phones for five seasons and now they're just gone because I don't think we ever see them go back and get them from memory I don't remember specifically if we ever have them referenced again like that is hundreds potentially thousands of people who had those numbers as contacts that are just gone now who can't contact them if they have an issue like that's such a major thing that I feel like just gets completely skipped over but also how does Dean not notice he doesn't have a phone for days I get that at the time, like this aired in 2010, and I get that at the time, the phones smartphones were like, I'm pretty sure the iPhone got announced in like 2009. So like, at this point, they're not really the top of the market. Like they're emerging. And like, I get that you don't use older style phones for everything like we do now. Like you didn't have your license and your credit card and your fucking whatever else on your phone at the time. But they're so important to safety. They're on a, they're literally on a case. They should be checking in with each other all the time. They're on a case where the only reason they knew about the case is because somebody else called them on the fucking phone. Exactly. There is no fucking reason 
why Dean shouldn't realize sooner that he doesn't have a phone mm-hmm. at all. Because it's not even like just the ones that were in the glove compartment no. that are gone. It's his personal one. Absolutely ridiculous that it takes Dean so long to realize something's up. Like, mm-hmm. here's the thing. If this was a show like Leverage, I understand not immediately going to, oh, something else is in Sam's body. <laughs> you mean in Leverage, the show that is absolutely not set in a magical fantasy realm? Exactly. You wouldn't immediately be like, wow, I think Nate's been possessed <laughs> exactly. by a demon who likes bad hats. But, like, <laughs> we're in a show where demon possession is awfully common. They're currently fighting a ghost. Ghost possession is a fucking thing. Witchcraft is real. There are so many ways that, like, you can be forced to either not be in your body or uh-huh. for somebody else to be in control of your body while you're yeah. sort of trapped there. Dean, he's not really suspicious until, like, the second half of the episode. No, and, like, even, like, the moments where you can see on his face that he's like, that's fucking weird. But, like, he doesn't do question anything. it any more than that. It Honestly, it kind of reminds me of 414 with the siren. Mm. And, like, because Gary is behaving in the way that, like, Dean, like, kind of, like, he makes fun of Sam for, like, eating the salads and for, like, not drinking with him and, like, these mm. things, right? He Like, that's, like, a bit, yeah. basically. And it's not that Dean wants Sam to be different. It's just that he doesn't dislike that Sam is engaging with him in mm. things that Dean likes. So I feel like maybe that is, like, part of why he lets it go so long but also i do feel like it is a insult to dean's intelligence yeah this feels like the ah ha 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 we're playing into the dean is dumb sort of trope yeah which is just like here's the thing like after born under a bad sign in which sam is possessed by meg Mm -hmm. like and here's the thing meg makes a much more convincing sam meg makes a much more convincing sam long shot and dean still spots that it's not sam yeah Quicker than he does here, mm. despite the fact, like, and this kid is not, like, he, this kid is not a passable set. Mm. His, you know, speech patterns have changed. His dietary preferences have changed. Like, he is not even pretending to be Sam, really. Like, well, he doesn't know Sam to exactly. be able to pretend to be him. And, like, I know that it doesn't really matter because the point is that he's supposed to kill Dean. And we've sort of, like, joked about before, you know, people meet the Winchesters and they're like, wow the fucking Winchesters, and then they get to a point where, like, how high would you like us to jump, Mr. Sirs, the Winchesters? You know, like, and it doesn't kind of matter where they started. They just are so fucking charismatic, these boys, that they just manage to turn everyone to their side. But the thing about this episode that really gets me is the moment where they are drinking and they're having the burgers and things, and fucking Gary is, like, talking about you ever feel like your whole future is being decided for you? And Dean is like, uh, yeah, I feel like that a lot. Like, how? first of all, how that wasn't the tip-off for Dean, yeah. that Sam isn't Sam, because there's no way that Sam says that to Dean, of all people. But then he goes on to say, no matter how hard you fight it, you can't stop the plan, the stupid, stupid plan. It's just nice to do a little ass-kicking for a change. And I'm like, yes, you could apply this to Sam and what they're going through mm. in the plot. And that's like, it's a nice little... It's highlighting the parallel. Yeah. And I do think that's fun, but I also feel like it just doesn't sound like Sam. No. And so, like, it's it's weird to have Dean sit there and just accept, accept it. all of this, yeah. But then we continue through the conversation and obviously Gary is, like, having regrets about the plan. He's like, you're a good guy, Dean. I really mean it. 
And I think Dean is like hearing that and the facial journey that he goes on and like kudos to Jensen here because that is a very complicated thing for Sam to say to Dean because like at this point they've got a very, very complex history, particularly coming, you know, off the back of season four and that whole scenario and the way that Dean hasn't trusted Sam the same way and, you know, bits and pieces. I think that Dean wanted this to be Sam because he wanted to be having those conversations. Like he wanted Sam to say like, you know what, you know, when it all comes down to it, you're a good guy. And like, I mean that. So I think that that could maybe fall into part of why he kind of lets it go along for so long. But yeah, I also just feel like he should have picked it up sooner. It just doesn't make sense to me that it took Dean so long to work out something was up. No, it it's not ideal. And I do kind of wish that he had figured it out sooner. But I think the problem with that is, like, if he figured it out sooner, like, what was the rest of the plot? Like, I think that it comes down well, to that Well, then maybe well. you need to re-examine your, your plot. If your plot hinges on the characters being out of character, then yeah. maybe re-examine your plot. Like, no shade to this writer or anything, but also it's kind of like, this is a great idea, but the execution is just ridiculous. Like, how am I meant to believe that... Dean baby boy knows about demon possession, saw Sam acting weird as fucking hell for no apparent reason and did not think, oh, hey, maybe something's up. I need to take preventative measures. And then you could have made it a plot that Dean is so, so convinced that Sam is possessed by a demon. Like he's like laser focused on Sam as a demon that he misses the fact that no, actually he's just possessed by a 16 year old. But like, you know what I mean? Why not have your conflict in the story come from that? It's really, it's really messy. I do want to say something really quickly for the Americans listening at home. Are your lockers really this big? Like, I don't like, I don't know what your lockers at school were like, but our lockers in high school One were like. One third of the size of the yeah, ones they show. Yeah. Like, they're tiny. Like, is this why like, you know, people getting jammed into looks is a thing? Are your lockers genuinely this big? If so, why? I also went to a school where we didn't have doors on our lockers. Like, they were just, like, open. Oh, they were, like, cubbies? Yeah. yeah. No, we had doors. And you just, like, leave your shit in there. People stole hats like they were fucking made of gold. <laughs> you couldn't keep a hat for your life. You had to hide that shit. Fighting for your hats. Fighting for your hats. Well, no hat, no play. You know? You didn't no have hat, a hat. No play. You got a detention. Fuck that. I wanted my hat. Literally, the number of people who, like, just took hats and then just put them back at the end of lunch... Like, someone would go to your locker, take out your hat, use it for the 40 minutes, and then put it back. And I'd be like, bro. But what if I wanted my hat? Like, (laughs) no, we had doors on our lockers. But, like, yeah, they were not that big. What what are y'all storing in your lockers that they need to be that big? Well, in this instance, Latin texts. Oh, also, at one point in this episode, Dean says something and Sam's like, well, I can't be in a good mood. It's like, fucking no. (laughs) I know. And Dean actually says that to him, too. Like, no, actually, like, that is not your style. I'm sorry. But again, Dean, weird behavior. Why are you not fucking picking it up? What I do want to mention, though, is that I love the fucking little, when they hold up the book to summon the demon and they're like, oh, we're going to summon a demon to, like, take care of the business or whatever. And it says in English, demon summoning like i was like oh my god perfect just in case the audience can't read latin the little (laughs) translation note what i am disappointed about though this week and Mm. you're not going to be surprised by this because it goes without saying every week but i want to say it this week Mm because i think it's especially important Cass, like i feel like Cass should have been here for this episode 
That like, is important to every episode. It, as I said, right. it goes unsaid in every episode, mm-hmm. but I think it's especially important to point out here because I think Cass in this episode would have made a lot of sense. At the end of the day, like, it's sort of that witchcrafty thing, and then you could have Cass straight up not notice that Sam is different, which would be comedy gold. So funny. Yeah. So fucking funny. <laughs> okay, here's a question, though. So, Angels, it's it's kind of vague yeah. as we go through the series, but, like, can perceive who is occupying a vessel like souls and demons like look different and stuff so i wonder if Cass would have seen gary in sam but then the question becomes would he notice enough of a difference (laughs) to actually have it matter and the other thing is then dean not noticing would have made more sense because he would have been distracted by looking into Cass's blue eyes you're so right like you're so very right i fixed it i added Cass. That's how you fix most Supernatural episodes. I'm not going to lie to you. Very few exceptions. Yeah, there are so many episodes where it's actually a crime that Cass wasn't there. (laughs) Lebanon, anybody? But yeah, it's it's a crime that he isn't in any episode that he isn't in. Honestly, I do want to point out, though, here's the thing. If Cass had been in this episode, Gary probably wouldn't have made it. Because Dean makes the point, which is, if you were of voting age, you'd be dead. Because we would kill you. So straighten up and fly right, or we will kill you. And we know yeah. from Cass's recent transgressions, he is an attempted child murderer. He's fully down to kill again. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Gary may not have made it yeah. had Cass been present. Mm-hmm. The only reason Cass wouldn't have murdered Gary would be if it would have made Dean sad. That's very true. Dean is usually pretty anti-murder of children. Yeah. Just in a general base level. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always hold up, but generally speaking, he's anti-killing children. The thing about this episode is it feels like some things are, like, brilliant. Like, I love that. Like, that is such good concept and execution. Mm-hmm. And there are other things that are like, oh, no, that is fucking trash. And then there are other things that are both simultaneously good and bad for different reasons. The tag-teaming the exorcism? exorcism? Brilliant. I love that Dean's finally fucking memorized it. It I was, was so out say. of character <laughs> that he didn't have it memorized for, like... The first five seasons, like, yeah. thank God they finally memorized this shit. But also, like, I just, there is so much about this episode that it's just like, come on, baby boy, click it together. Like, yeah. Like, if you were acting like a 16-year-old all of a sudden, I'd be really fucking confused and I'd question it. But also, I don't live in a universe where, like, it would be possible for you to be possessed by something. Well, that we know of, Jamie. Who fucking knows? I could be possessed. Maybe that, maybe I don't have brain ones. Maybe I'm literally possessed. How would you know? Have you ever spritzed me with holy water? No. Have you ever seen me wear a cross? No. (laughs) Not Jamie backing away slowly. (laughs) Valid point. I promise I'm not possessed. Wink. (laughs) I love the verbal wink. I can't see it. I've got (laughs) to... It's a fascinating episode from a stance of, like, Sam and body autonomy. And it's a fascinating stance for Dean's characterization. Because, like you say, like, there are things about his character that are wildly out of character. But there are some things that I think hit the nail on the head. Like, even the end of the episode, Sam says, all that apple pie family crap is stressful, trust me. And Dean comes back with, maybe we just don't know what we're missing. I just struggle to believe that Sam describes an average childhood as more stressful than resisting the urge to get possessed by the literal devil. Here is the thing. I think it depends on your personal experience. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Some people would say that physics, like the topic, 
is very, very difficult. Some people would say that climbing Mount Everest is is really fucking difficult. People who have trained their entire lives to climb Mount Everest will find it much easier, and people who have studied physics for 10 plus years will find it much easier than the average person attempting to do either thing. Sam has been designed from preconception to do what he's done. He was not designed from preconception to do what Gary's doing, and vice versa. So, like, while I agree with you fundamentally, Gary's life is not worse than Sam's life was at Gary's age. I do understand why Sam detests it. I understand why Sam personally hates it, but he does state it as like, oh no, this isn't just my opinion, this is objective fact. It's like, hmm, buddy boy, I think we need to work on your definitions a little. <laughs> I do actually want to take a second, that you touched on the fact that you enjoyed that they used the word meat suit through this mm. episode. I do want to just spend a brief period of time talking about yet another thing that actually has huge implications that they did nothing with, which is the fact that Gary was in Sam's body, which means that Gary would have been in charge of giving permission to Lucifer to enter said body. Like, that's the crux of this episode. That's why possession is nine-tenths of the law. (laughs) That is such a good joke. I'm so proud of you. Oh my god, I love that. But yeah, like, we have Gary, who is suddenly in charge of making this literally world-ending decision. And so it's not just that Sam's autonomy has been invaded on the base level of he's been body-swapped, which I understand is a bizarre sentence to say, but it's also that Gary could potentially give permission to literally Lucifer to take control of Sam's autonomy. That's just a whole nother fucking level. I did have a thought. Mm. And that is just, I we now have full confirmation in my brain that, yeah, no, Cass would 100% kill Gary. Because last time there was a child who could have potentially ended the world, he was all off for murdering that child. Yeah. He then has another child who could have ended the world. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Like, if Cass had been in this episode, Gary would not have lived. Child and murder. Destiel would have had to have a conversation about that. But... It's <laughs> Dean's theme in the background, clearly. Obviously. Yes, I can see it in my mind's eye right yeah. now. Sam is standing stage left. <laughs> Slightly blurry like his <laughs> One other thing that I did think was interesting was that when Gary does go to shoot Dean, this is the point where Dean, like, mm. accosts him and, like, ties him up and is, like, accusing him of, you're not my brother, which is, like... Finally, you. you're with the program. Yeah. Gary's actually using Dean's gun. And I thought that was really interesting because it's like yet another nod to how one, I think that Dean would prefer Gary's life comparatively. Like Sam obviously hates it, but I think that Dean would thrive. Wait, is Gary the older sibling? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't think we get it like specifically spoken dialogue, but Gary's 17 and his sister does not seem like she's out of school or older than him. So I would say yes. So basically... Sam went, well, if I was Dean, I would have hated it. Like, very specifically, Sam was like, hmm, no, your life sucks ass, Dean. <laughs> oh my god. Honestly, like, he's basically looking at Dean and being like, your idolized family structure fucking sucks and I hate it. Yeah. In my brain, now I'm like, drawing lines. Yeah. The parallels of like, this episode are interesting and complicated. Gary and Dean mm-hmm. are parallels. Yeah. 
And so Sam becoming Gary is basically like Sam being like, yeah, no, Dean's life fucking sucks. Well, it's that, but it's also, like I was saying, like it's Dean's ideal life sucks. Because like I said earlier, like we get Dean saying like, you know, would you ever want to settle down kids and like the white picket fence? (laughs) Just kidding, but it. Yeah, like, haha, but like, what if I wanted that side eye tucked hair behind ear? Because he's thinking about that. Like, we had him thinking about this way back in season three when he had his demon deal coming up. And, you know, he wanted to do his victory laps and, like, he went and saw Lisa and stuff and was thinking about all of the things that he wasn't going to get to have. And now we're coming up to what is potentially the end of the world. Mm. It's not shocking that he's having similar thoughts about, like, what does he want out of his life? And, you know, maybe he would have liked to settle down and have kids. Maybe he does want that apple pie life. And by maybe, we mean he definitely wants that apple pie life because it's been his entire drive for the narrative as it exists. We've been talking about since season one how what Dean wants is his family. He wanted to find John not so they can continue their revenge mission, but because John was an important part of his family structure. And he wanted to kill the demon, but not necessarily just to kill the demon. He wanted to kill the demon so that he could get his family back. It's so integral to his character, this desire for stability and this desire for structure. And we see it in episodes like What Is and What Could Never Be. And in 310, when we see his his dreams and we see Lisa in the picnic blanket, you know, we see these things and we know that it's something that he wants. Whether or not he lets himself think about it on the daily is another question. It's the sort of thing as if we got to the end of like season five or whatever and the angels are like, congratulations, Michael, sword, you won. Now you get your dream reality. It's the yeah. sort of thing that they would fucking conjure up for it. Mm. It's like stick him in the Truman Show for a job well done. But I do think that it's interesting that we get Sam, so who like vehemently opposed and like he tried. He he tried to get out and he tried that with Jess and look where that got him. It got Jess dead. And, and got- I would argue that Jess was possessed the entire time. That's That's your headcanon? It's my headcanon. Like, I love that for you. Whether it's accurate or not, like I just think it adds a lovely little je ne sais quoi. A little bit of angst. A little bit of like, well, actually everything that you thought you knew was actually fake. Blah blah blah. Etc. Oh, I did want to mention a while ago, we had a joke about, like, how would you describe Sam and Dean in one word only? And in this episode, we get one leather jacket and one Sasquatch. And I was like, that works. I love it when the show does, like, the work for us. It's so convenient. I do love, though, that we do get the Sam reaction shot to being described as yeah, <laughs> a Sasquatch. It's very fun. It is very fun. Well, something else that's very fun is the line, a dangerous warlock named Gary. I just, chef's kiss beautiful do love gary here's the thing like he's a fucking idiot but he's also clearly a smart kid who's just trying to like he's rebelling in an unhealthy satanic way (laughs) yeah he had two whole friends like i would have killed for two whole friends in high school like two whole friends bethany i think that it's just one of those things where he feels trapped right and so he's trying to like push at the edges of the cage, like the metaphorical, you know, bindings that he's he's in. Lucy coded. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, I guess, actually. Oh, oh considering. That... Considering he also did do the other really Lucy coded thing this episode and possess Sam for a little bit. <laughs> I have a guess for your PSA, but actually I have two. And this is a fun little segue. Mm-hmm. So number one, 
My first guess for your PSA is, you know what they say, never meet your heroes, brackets, Lucifer. Because Gary, (laughs) when he is still possessing Sam and the demon who is inhabiting Nora at the time, says to him, you know, you got to meet the big boss. And then it's just one little yes and you can have, you know, whatever you want. And obviously we know that's fucking bullshit. We know what the yes is implying and it's not good. The concept Also, we have the context that she's literally just ripped the other kid's heart out. The other kid's heart out. Yeah. To be fair, that other kid fucking had it coming. Like, he was being thick as hell. Like, the number of times Sam was like, fucking shut up, dude. You're just gonna get yourself killed. Like, honestly. And then he did. And then he did. Is it the return of actual psychic Sam Winchester? (laughs) Not Sam (laughs) predicting a death before it happened. Season two called and it wants its plot back. (laughs) But no, my other guess for your PSA is from Sam's little monologue at the end of the episode where I, I said it before, but I'll reiterate, you don't like their plan for you, tell them to cram it, rebel a little bit in a healthy non-satanic way. I think that's a fun little PSA. What, to rebel a little bit in a healthy non-satanic way? Yeah. Oh. Like, it's fine to be a little bit rebellious, test those boundaries, just do it in a way that doesn't cause harm to yourself or others, you know? I think it's a valid PSA from Sam this week. Is it potentially don't shoot someone with a tranquilizer in broad daylight? Because that's also a possibility. Or is it potentially directly from the line whatever it is we can talk it out bro because you know what i love to see men communicating about their feelings they did then shoot him in the neck with a tranquilizer like a scene later but you know okay are you ready for my psa of the week well i've given you like five guesses (laughs) so yes i'm ready so what do you think it is this week (laughs) no my psa for this week was abandoning your children for two weeks at a hotel and having them made look after them is not suitable child care okay it's just not. No. It's also not her job. Yeah. And I bet you're not paying her extra to do it. Exactly. So your your PSA is just John Winchester sucks? Yeah. Yeah, that's valid. I feel like I've had like six different variations of John Winchester sucks. I think we should have as just a PSA? subcategory of PSA. <laughs> oh, I just want to talk about the math of this episode. Okay. So we know a, that's my favorite topic. It's abstract math, so you might mm. like it. So, Great. <laughs> Star Wars shirt equals virgin i want to know where the math is coming from in there because that just doesn't feel right to me you're so right you're so right that is leaning so heavily into the stereotype and we don't love to see it if dean wasn't terrified of what john would have said for him to own a star wars shirt you cannot tell me that he would not have a star wars shirt i love that you described that as abstract maths (laughs) it's not what i was expecting at all i thought i was gonna have to pull out the abacus I'm sorry, but like he d- he does some quick math there in his head, mm. and I think it's wrong. I mean, to be fair, knowing Gary's character, I'm gonna say he's probably right. But, but also, Sam has a- never met Gary. Yeah, you can't just base that directly off of a t-shirt. Also, I do love this episode that Sam keeps referring to Gary as in the third person, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, so we're just talking about yourself <laughs> in third person now?" Everyone just accepts it. I do think it's very funny. I know. I just think this episode I didn't love. Just simply, it it feels so much like they're trying to say that John Winchester was a good parent, and he just fucking wasn't. You made this canon. It's too late to renege on it now. I think for me, this episode is just like such a wildly swinging metronome. We have moments where the characters feel like it feels like they're making quite a poignant statement yeah. with the characters, and then we have other scenes where it just feels like they're just not acting themselves. And like, obviously, part of that is the point with this episode, mm. but like. Not in its entirety. It's only the point when it comes to Sam. Yeah. It's not the point when it comes to Dean. And so it feels wild that Sam, in a completely different situation, in a completely different body, 
felt more like Sam than Dean did who was just meant to be Dean. Yeah, but it, then in no saying that... No external factors. But then in saying that, I would argue that there were some parts of this episode where Dean was characterised so well and they were making really mm. interesting things about his character. So it's like, it just feels wildly inconsistent within mm. one episode. Like, it's only 40 minutes of television and yet somehow they've managed to, like, go to both ends of the spectrum of, like, feeling incredibly specifically pointed about one thing and also like wildly wrong about another wildly off base about another it's like throwing darts wildly at a board and like somehow hitting the center but also missing and just hitting the wall it's very messy and it's making it it's made it quite difficult to discuss yeah (laughs) because like normally we can like break it into like oh the characterization was good or this was good and this other thing was bad but in this instance it's like it's half good and half bad and half interesting and half weird. And it's just very messy. I'm, I apologise in advance. Well, I suppose not in advance. I apologise if we sound like we're not making much sense. This one's just... I can't think of another word other than just messy. It's a weird episode of television. And it doesn't seem to really have a clear idea of what it's actually trying to do as an episode of television. Yeah. Which is what's wild to me. Like, it seems like a concept that would have such a clear sort of, like, mission statement and motivation behind it. And that is to highlight, you know, just because we've sort of forgotten because, you know, they've got the Enochian on their ribs, just because we've sort of forgotten that, like, a whole bunch of people are out gunning for Dean doesn't mean that people aren't out gunning for Dean. It's like an... It and should Sam, be, too. And Sam, too. It's a, it's a nice little reminder of, oh, no, like, both sides are using everything at their disposals to try and get to Sam and Dean. And, like, these two are, like, God's blobos, so they are the most important people in the universe, clearly. I also think, like, the reason this episode might feel a bit weird to us now, looking, Mm. we're watching it in 2023. Like I said earlier, it aired at the very beginning of 2010, I think January 2010. Mm. I think that this was designed as a comedic filler episode. It was not supposed to be making any grand statements. It was not supposed to be super integral to the plot. Mm. But it's meant to be a ha-ha funny, but also remember that we do have this undercurrent of stuff happening. Yeah. But the thing is that 13 years on, it's aged poorly and it's not a funny ha-ha filler episode. There are some parts of it that hold up. And that's what we were saying earlier about the delivery of some of those lines, mm. Jared's acting, the use of mirrors and the transitions when they're showing the swap between who's betraying yeah. who fantastic use of film techniques that has all held up really well but the actual content of the episode the weird lines about the weird lines they blurred with consent the whole situation where gary ends up going home with that woman the just general ickiness of that whole scenario i think like i think watching it with a 2023 lens it is not the episode that it was intended to be and also watching the episode with intention like i feel like this is meant to be one of those episodes that like it's not that important it's just meant to be haha funny filler and that's fine except it's haha funny filler that doesn't hold up hold up cohesively with the rest of the narrative they're currently telling and like i don't have any like i'm fine with filler like fillers whatever like filler is a natural part of most tv shows if you don't have filler then it feels like you're trying to jam too much stuff into too few episodes you need to give these characters room to breathe But the issue is, it just, like, especially with Dean's characterization, it just doesn't seem to narratively be cohesive with everything else we've learned about Dean's character. Like, the fact that he knows Sam, 
like the back of his fucking hand, like to the point where we've seen him in previous episodes, like just knowing Sam's passwords to everything, not because Sam's told him, but mm. because Dean just knows, like calling the phone company and like, you know, using the alias that he knows yeah. Sam would use or looking in the motel, knowing what Sam would do, knowing which car Sam would steal, mm. like all of these things. He just knows because he knows Sam. And so like having Sam acting, well, not Sam really, having Gary in Sam's body acting so wildly different. Yeah, it, it just makes Dean seem stupid. And that, that is not accurate. out of character. Yeah. yeah, especially like Dean is so attuned to Sam specifically. So yeah, it's it's just wild. And I think they say some really interesting mm. things about the characters and about their wants and desires and like who they are fundamentally. But it feels undercut by this mm. massive irregularity. Especially because it's Dean baby boy spotted that John Winchester was possessed because he was a better parent. Yeah, exactly. Like, Dean has a good track record for figuring this shit out and figuring I'm, it out under duress and quickly. He's also the one who spotted that Bobby was possessed, wasn't he? In 501? Yes, Sam wasn't there for that. Sam wasn't there for that. So he, like, and, like, mind you, in 2.20, no, one twenty two at the end of season one, when John is possessed and mm-hmm. Dean figures it out, he figures it out because John is too nice. Mm-hmm. He spots it despite the fact that every fibre of his being wants to believe that it's John who's saying those things. Yeah. He still works out that John is possessed despite the fact that every single element of his being wants it to be true. Yeah, exactly. And, like, that is so key to this episode. Like, we've got, quote-unquote, Sam, who's like, yeah, turn up the music, which is out of character, and Dean should have picked up on it even if he wanted to turn the music because up. sam respects his hearing and understands <laughs> that listening to things at loud volumes is not good sam's like i will not have tinnitus at age 30 mm-hmm. thank you very much but he is also like eating burgers and stuff and doing yeah. the shots and like dean makes the point that he is acting out of character he even is like what have you done with sam and it's like yeah good question babe can <laughs> we get any follow-up on that please you know and so yeah you make a great point dean was able to spot john with Zero hesitation, yeah. you know? And that like, was in a much more immediate life or death scenario. Mm-hmm. This is, like, he had days. And also, Azazel made a much more convincing John mm-hmm. than Gary makes of Sam. Like, yeah. It's just wild. It's mm. just it's just wild. And I think that it's an unfortunate thing of, like, to make the plot work, they had to make Dean not figure it out. Mm. But it's just, like, I wish they'd come up with a more creative way to do that. Yeah. Other than just making Dean kind of dumb for an episode. Yeah. I loved it in this episode that we were like, it's a Sam episode. We're like so annoyed about Dean stuff. That's very Jeremy Carver era of us. (laughs) Are we Carver coded? Anyway. I think that's like pretty well everything that I wanted to cover in this episode. Like it's an episode that has a lot in it that is worth discussing. But I think a lot of it can be sort of summed up in like specific points. Like I don't think it's like there's not a lot of little things. There are just like a couple of big things that like sort of like permeate the entire episode. Personally, I didn't love some of the decisions they made, and that will reflect in my rating. Yeah, that's But, fair. like, I don't know. I told you, to lift the podcast curtain a little bit, I did tell Jamie ahead of time that this episode is kind of, like, eh. Like, I knew that it wasn't going to be one that we were going to come into with, like, a whole bunch of stuff to say, you know, about anything that's super in-depth. Like, it's just not the kind of episode that you... When I said that I believe the children are the future, or are our future was a nothing episode. What I meant was (laughs) this episode, Swap Meet, was a nothing episode. Like, stuff happened. There is discussion to have. But fundamentally, it's it's short discussion. In any case, I think that brings us to the end of today's episode. So, J, 
Jamie, how would you rate Swap Me out of five? I think I'm going to give it a two and a half. That's fair. It just, okay. too much about Dean's characterization just didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. And there's just like a whole bunch of icky consent issues. Unfortunately, just like the the good elements, you know, like Jared Peter, like he's acting in this one, mm-hmm. um, the portrayal of Gary. Film techniques. Film techniques. Some of the really funny lines like, you know, why don't you rebel in a healthy, non-satanic <laughs> way? Unfortunately, they just don't quite negate all of the things that I just didn't enjoy about this episode. So mm-hmm. I think it's going to have to be a two and a half. Yeah. And actually, while we're on this, I know that we mentioned it earlier, but like massive shout out to the actors who played Gary and Nora in this episode, because I think that they did phenomenally. Again, phenomenal child actors on Supernatural. Wild. We love to see it. The next episode is titled The Song Remains the Same. Do you have any thoughts, feelings, fears, hopes, dreams, predictions? She's laughing. This could be really good or really bad for me. It's a 50-50. So, you know how we say, like, they never learn their lesson? Like, the song... specifically, yeah. The the song remains the same. I'm imagining, like, we're going to get flashbacks to, like, John doing something and then, like, Sam will do the exact same thing because, like... Time is a circle. Family trauma edition. Like, I mean, it's the family trauma show. What do you expect? Like, I am expecting it is really just going to highlight that, like, nothing has changed. Like, as much as, like, Sam in this episode is trying to, like, distance himself. Okay, so you think that next episode is going to be generational trauma, the episode? Yeah. Okay. I mean, more so than most generational trauma, the episode, episode. Yeah, okay. Um... (laughs) I mean, also, it might just be, like, the song remains the same, as in, like, they're going to try and do something to change destiny, mm-hmm. but, like, no matter what they do, the song remains the same. Like a fixed point Like a fixed thing. point kind of thing, so, I don't know. Like maybe, Dean with the deal. Yeah, maybe, maybe we're getting, like, an in the beginning sort of yeah, okay. vibe, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to change something that just will not change. Either time travel or generational trauma. Could or be both. both! Secret third option could be both. Book of the stars. The next question is, do you think that Cass will be in next week's episode? I'm going to say yes, just because that's the only way to support my time travel theory. Okay, fun. Unless they're bringing another random angel in to do it. Do you think that they would bring in an angel we know? Or, like, you said random angel as if a new character? Like, question mark? Zacky boy. Zacky boy. We know But then again, Anna's angelified again, isn't she? Yeah, we haven't seen Anna in a while. She's been arrested and we don't know what Mm. happened. But then again, she could be lobotomized. She could be reset. She could be rebooted. She could be. They could be really being like, you know what? We really just ended the Anna Dean romance plotline too soon. Got to bring someone in to compete with Misha Collins. I love the way you frame that as if Anna, the fictional character, is competing with real life person Misha Collins for a fictional character, Dean Winchester's affection. I think that's hilarious. (laughs) I mean, it's also accurate. (laughs) That brings us to the end and today's episode so hopefully you had as much fun listening as we had recording if you want to get in touch with us you can always find any of our socials down in the link tree below and if you did want to chat some possible topics for conversation could include at what point do you reckon dean should have realized that it was not sam in the sam suit Mm, yeah okay that's a really good one i want to know and this could be if you want to send it to me privately or like in a spoiler chat for any ones that are ahead of time or put it in general stuff if it's things we've already covered but your favorite possessions Mm. like what are your favorite episodes or arcs within supernatural where someone is possessed for an indiscriminate amount of time and certain characters or the audience don't know 
I would really, really be interested to know because we do get multiple instances mm. over the course of the series. So it would be fun to, to have a little bit of a chit chat about about that. I want to know if they had managed to get Lucy there and he had said yes in Sam's body to hosting Lucy. Mm-hmm. There would be no way to swap out. Like, what would have happened if Sam was just stuck as this 17-year-old Oh, my kid? God, as Gary. Because, like, there is no way to have reversed, like, for Gary to be living his life back mm-hmm. in his own... Like... Wow, this could have been a really different show. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just, like... Like, logistically. Mm. No one's too late in the episode to whip out the word, word logistically, Jamie. <laughs> we don't have another 45 minutes. <laughs> okay, if you have thoughts on that, please do hit us up and let us know. We also have a little bit of extra information. First of all, the other week we mentioned that Spotify has comments now that you can submit and someone who I won't name in case they don't want us to share their username. But they did leave a really lovely comment on our episode we did with August from Growing Things on 503. So thank you very much. Your comment did make our day. It was very sweet. And so this is just a little thank you for that in case you're still listening. And on top of that, speaking of comments and feedback, now that we're coming up to the end of Kripke era, we are really hoping to get a little bit of feedback from everyone listening about the show. So like Supernatural, we can blow up for season six. Well, that comment will age. But <laughs> like milk. But what I've done is make a Google form. It's totally anonymous and it's multiple choice for the most part. There are some places where you could put in like text answers or long answers if you would like. But it should only take a couple of minutes to fill out. If you are so inclined, we would super appreciate a little bit of feedback. So I'm going to pop the link to that in the description of this episode and all of the episodes from now till the end of the season. We'll also put it in the link tree and all of that sort of jazz. Yeah, so it'll be super easy to find. We'll probably also put it on the socials like Tumblr and Twitter. On Tumblr, I'll probably put it in the pinned post at the top of the And we'll also whack it on Discord so you'll be able to find it wherever you want to look for it. Yeah. But we would really love to get a little bit of feedback. Some of it is about your experience listening to the pod and also your experience with Supernatural. And there's also some open text box answers if you have some questions for us or if you have some suggestions for how we could approach things a little differently if you have general feedback. Well, thank you so much for listening today. It's been a lovely time. And hopefully we will have you back next week for episode 513. The song remains the same. Bye! Bye!